You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, The Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to The Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with The Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Kevin McCarthy faces opposition in the vote for House Speaker, Pope Benedict XVI has passed away, and New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy requires information literacy in public schools. Here's your national news recap for the week of January 1st. California's Kevin McCarthy doesn't have enough votes to become House Speaker. That comes after a group of 20 conservative Republicans threatened to derail his bid to become Speaker. These 20 House members have thrown out names like Byron Donalds of Florida, Jim Jordan of Ohio, and Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma to represent them rather than McCarthy. They talked about not having their voices heard by McCarthy. The House will now continue to hold votes until a candidate receives a majority vote. President Biden will visit the southern border in Texas this weekend. The Biden administration says the president will tour the border in El Paso and meet with local officials on Sunday before heading to Mexico City for the North American Leaders Summit. El Paso has been the epicenter of the border crisis, with Mayor Oscar Leeser issuing a disaster declaration last month. This will be the first time Biden has visited the border since becoming president. New Hampshire Democrats missed a deadline to make a case to remain among a few states that claim a first-in-the-nation presidential primary status. The Democratic National Committee voted last month to remove Iowa's caucuses as the first contest and replace it with South Carolina's primary. With New Hampshire, Nevada, Michigan, and Georgia going next, pending voting and rule changes. The DNC cited a lack of minority representation and asked the Granite State to immediately make minority voting more accessible. President Biden is ready to make good on his promises. The big laws we passed are consequential, but they were basically promises to most people. They passed them, they're now the law, they're going to happen, but they didn't take effect. Speaking in a cabinet meeting, he said he's focusing on implementing the major legislative achievements he's signed thus far. He acknowledges that signing bills into law is a step forward, but requires more to positively affect Americans' day-to-day lives. Biden said it's important for Americans to actually know how to take advantage of those benefits. The U.S. is continuing to enforce immigration laws. Let me be clear. Title 42 or not, the border is not Open. So said DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas just after President Biden announced he would expand Title 42 expulsions. That means also opening more legal pathways for immigration. Mayorkas said the country's system is broken, outdated, and in desperate need of reform. He said those from Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, and Haiti who try to unlawfully cross into the U.S. will be swiftly expelled to Mexico, encouraging those citizens to stay where they are and apply for the proper authorization. Mayorkas ended by calling on Congress to provide the resources needed at the border to manage the increased activity. 
DNA found on a knife sheath at the scene of the Idaho murders is what helped lead to the suspect being arrested. That's according to the arrest affidavit. The document revealed authorities were on the hunt for Brian Koberger less than two weeks after the four University of Idaho students were killed. The affidavit also said cell phone records showed Koberger was near the student's house at least a dozen times since June. All those times came during the late evening or early morning hours. Hundreds of migrants who spent days at Dry Tortugas National Park are now on the mainland for processing after being brought to Key West, Florida Thursday. Cuba expert Dr. Andy Gomez doesn't think things will change anytime soon because the situation may actually be worse in Haiti. Haiti is basically a failed state. Where in Cuba, you still have, number one, one of their leaders, Raul Castro, still alive, and a very strong military that provides the security. He also doesn't believe the resumption of visa and consular services in Cuba will solve the migration crisis. Drugs and the border were among the topics on the agenda at a roundtable in Daytona Beach Thursday featuring Senator Rick Scott and several Florida sheriffs. Seminole County Sheriff Dennis Lemma joined Scott in lamenting a lack of urgency regarding the fentanyl crisis. We need to come together as a country and say, absent politics, our citizens are dying. Let's do something to move this ball forward. I tell you, the thing surprised me when you look at the number of deaths. Why, why aren't people more up in arms? Participants agreed the southern border, where much of the fentanyl is coming through, must be secured. The event is part of Scott's statewide Make Washington Work Tour. A California man who pleaded guilty to sexually abusing a girl from Oregon has been sentenced to federal prison. Prosecutors say 26-year-old Devin Deering used a website to meet the victim. Over several months, he continued online chats and got the girl to send him explicit photos. He then drove to the girl's home, picked her up, and took her to a hotel where he sexually abused her. Then he drove her to California where the abuse continued for over a week. He dropped her off at a police station and told her to say she had run away. Deering was sentenced to more than 15 years in federal prison. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. This is Gavin Trutzenbach with the International News Report. On Thursday morning, the funeral of former Pope Benedict XVI was held. He died on Saturday, aged 95, almost a decade after he stood down due to poor health. Members of the public have been able to view his body lying in state at St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican for three days before Thursday's ceremony. The doors to the basilica were shut on Wednesday evening, and the former Pope's coffin was closed soon after. The coffin was carried out of the basilica to St. Peter's Square, and the funeral mass began less than an hour later. Pope Francis presided over the mass of his predecessor, who resigned from the papacy in 2013. The dome of St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican was shrouded in mist as the cypress wood coffin containing Pope Benedict XVI's body was brought out and placed on the steps. There was applause from the faithful who had gathered for the funeral. Benedict was then interred in a tomb beneath the basilica. Clergy from around the world had gathered, cardinals in red vestments, nuns, and monks in their dark robes. Pope Francis was brought out onto the dais in a wheelchair. Latin chants, sung by the Sistine Chapel choir, echoed across the square. The mood was solemn and subdued. Pope Francis then began the Mass, with readings in German, Italian, Arabic, Portuguese, and French. During the Mass, concelebrated by cardinals, bishops, and priests, Pope Francis gave his homily for the late Pope Benedict XVI, speaking about wisdom, tenderness, and devotion that he bestowed upon us over the years. Benedict, Faithful friend of the bridegroom, he said referring to Jesus, may your joy be complete as you hear his voice now and forever. 
At the end of the service, the choir sang, May the Angels Lead You Into Paradise. Pope Francis placed his hand on the wooden coffin in a final prayer, before it was carried away, to be sealed and placed in another coffin of zinc and an outer one of wood. It was buried in the crypt under St. Peter's Basilica, where Pope John Paul II was originally interred in 2005, before his body was moved up to a chapel after his beatification. In St. Peter's Square, feelings about the former pope were mixed. There has also been criticism, particularly by victims of sexual abuse by Catholic clergy. The SNAP Survivors Network said the former pope virtually ignored the burning problem of clergy sexual abuse during his tenure in office. Gaia from Sardinia said that while Benedict had been a very good pope, I prefer Pope Francis. I think that he's closer to people in 2023. Christopher Lamb, Vatican correspondent of the Catholic magazine The Tablet, said Francis now faced a new moment in his pontificate, but he expected him to continue his pace of reform within the church. The death of Benedict does leave it open for Francis to step down if he wishes, but I wouldn't bet on it, because this pope really has a lot to accomplish in terms of reforms. Edson Arantes do Nascimento, a.k.a. Rey Pele, the Brazilian football legend, passed away on December 29, 2022, at age 82. His coffin arrived in Santos on Monday, where thousands of mourners came to pay their respects at the ground of his former club. Some even queued overnight. On Tuesday, supporters club Torcida Hovem gathered outside the Urbano Caldera Stadium ahead of the casket leaving. Fans waved huge black and white banners, the colors of Santos Football Club. Many wore the number 10 shirt that Pele made so famous. Only Pele, a thousand goals, they repeatedly chanted as people beat drums and danced in the street. His body was then accompanied for seven kilometers through the streets of Santos while helicopters flew overhead. His coffin was carried on a fire engine, as is traditional in official parades. It traveled along the seafront and past the house of Pele's mother, who turned 100 last year. There, a relative asked for a minute's silence, and the party atmosphere hushed immediately as Doña Celeste clutched her hands in prayer. These past few days have halted the busy coastal city of Santos. The coming together of a nation in grief has been a welcome relief for so many in what has been a turbulent few months since the presidential elections. Pele united all of us, said Diofilo de Freitas, waiting in the queue. He was the first one in the line on Monday, but wanted another chance to see his idol before he was laid to rest. Not only was he the best player in the world, he was a marvelous human being. On Wednesday, January 4th, authorities in Iran released top actress Tarana Eladusti, who was arrested last month after expressing solidarity with anti-government protesters. The 38-year-old star was freed on bail after being accused of posting inflammatory content. She had posted a picture on social media without a headscarf and condemned the first execution of a protester by the name of Mohsen Shikari, who was executed on December 9th after being charged by an Iranian court with blocking a street in Tehran and attacking a member of the country's security forces with a machete. Shikari and Maji Dreza Ranavard, who had been accused of stabbing two members of the paramilitary Basij militia, were two protesters in the last month who were executed after being convicted of the vaguely defined national security charge of enmity against God. Authorities have portrayed the protests as foreign-backed riots and responded with lethal force. So far, at least 516 protesters have been killed, including 70 children, and 19,250 others have been arrested, according to the Human Rights Activist News Agency. It is also reported the deaths of 68 security personnel. Many Iranian actors, musicians, and other celebrities have publicly backed the protests against the clerical establishment. Days before her own arrest on the 17th of December, Miss Aladusti had urged people to speak out in response to the execution of Mohsen Shikari. Every international organization who was watching this bloodshed 
and not taking action is a disgrace to humanity, she wrote on her Instagram account, which had millions of followers before it was disabled. In November, she had posed with her hair uncovered, holding a sign saying, Woman, Life, Freedom, the main slogan of the protest movement. Miss Aladusti is one of Iran's most successful actresses. She starred in The Salesman, which won an Academy Award in 2016 for Best International Feature Film. She has paused her career to support the families of protesters killed in the crackdown and has previously vowed to remain inside Iran at any price. This is Gavin Trutzenbach with the International News Report. This is the local news. I'm Spencer Hammond. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is signing legislation requiring media literacy to be taught in public schools. The bipartisan bill aims to battle misinformation and is the first of its kind in the nation. It requires the New Jersey Department of Education to develop an information literacy curriculum for students K-12. The goal is to give individuals the skills to accurately assess which digital, visual, textual, technological, and other sources are credible and which are mere opinion. Murphy says it's our responsibility to ensure our nation's future leaders are equipped with the tools necessary to identify fact from fiction. New York State's Attorney General is suing the former CEO of a New Jersey-based cryptocurrency platform. Letitia James's office says that the co-founder of Celsius Network, Alex Mashinsky, defrauded hundreds of thousands of investors out of billions of dollars worth of cryptocurrency. The scheme impacted at least 26,000 New Yorkers. Mashinsky allegedly lied about Celsius's safety, the company's failing financials, and made bad investments. James says the company's collapse left investors in financial ruin and that she's fighting to get money back for those defrauded. Crime is up in New York City in nearly every category. Mayor Eric Adams has repeatedly said bail reform is not helping matters. The NYPD released crime stats for the last year, and it shows that robberies and burglaries were up around 25% compared to 2021. Grand Larceny Auto also rose 32%, though murders were down by 11%. A couple weeks ago, Mayor Adams was upbeat on crime, saying the city is headed in the right direction while pointing to a drop in murders, shootings, and a huge number of gun arrests. Jersey City Mayor Stephen Phillips says he's leaning towards running for governor of New Jersey. The Democrats said earlier in the week he will not seek re-election in 2025 as mayor of Jersey City, the last full year of Governor Phil Murphy's term. Phillips says the biggest issue in New Jersey is affordability. He points to the high property taxes compared to other states. He says that Murphy has made the argument that residents get a lot for that money, but Phillips says he feels a lot of residents don't feel that way. Phillips was first elected mayor in 2013. An NYPD officer is being suspended after a video shows him hitting a young girl during a street fight on Staten Island Tuesday afternoon. A fight broke out at a bus stop at Willowbrook Road and Forest Avenue. Witnesses say the officer was trying to detain a 14-year-old girl when her 12-year-old sister started to swing at the officer, with the officer swinging back. The NYPD says the older sister hit the officer in the head, and both sisters are facing charges. Their mother is demanding a full investigation, which is being conducted by NYPD Internal Affairs. The officer could be suspended for 30 days. Both security checks and metal detectors are now part of the routine at Patterson High Schools. Dalton Price, head of the district's school safety and security, told News 12 the metal detection mandate will now be required for all students in the district. Kids will need to either go through the metal detectors or be manually scanned. This new security step follows the discovery of firearms on students after a fight was broken up. Hospitals are making moves to prepare for a potential nurses strike in New York City. Sources tell NBC hospitals are postponing elective surgeries as thousands of nurses from seven private hospitals are threatening to walk off the job Monday. They are also discharging patients as early as possible to keep patient numbers lower. Nurses are seeking raises, no cuts to their health benefits, and higher staffing levels. 
New York Presbyterian Hospital did recently reach a deal with its nurses. New Jersey officials are making it easier and quicker to build more affordable housing. Governor Phil Murphy signed legislation Thursday that will give local governments more ways to conduct inspections in a quicker manner. The new legislation will also speed up the permitting process for building housing at the local level. It will allow developers and contractors to have their work checked by a private inspector if public inspectors cannot get to it in a timely manner. That was the local news, and I'm Spencer Hammond. I'm Dante DiValerio with your Rowan News. Methane, a naturally occurring gas emitted by plants and animals, is also a heat-trapping greenhouse gas that contributes to global warming, and a Rowan University researcher has joined an NSF-funded study into the production of it. The problem is, while methane is, in fact, a naturally occurring greenhouse gas, human sources since the Industrial Revolution have increased the amount of it in the planet's atmosphere, which has contributed to rising temperatures. Dr. Charles Shutt is among a team of researchers in a $2.9 million study funded by the National Science Foundation to determine if methane produced in saltwater marshes, a key source of the gas, is increasing or decreasing as a result of climate change and rising sea levels. The team seeks to determine whether climate change is causing naturally occurring methane from salt marshes to rise or fall. Shutt conducted research prior to his work at Rowan and is participating in the five-year study centered in the salt marshes of the Louisiana Delta. One challenge of the study is that natural methane production in salt marshes fluctuates wildly. It is affected by a variety of factors like rising sea levels, sediment changes, and studying it is rather complex. Microbial processes in salt marshes create methane and while plants in marshes absorb carbon dioxide and offset climate change, they also release organic matter into the marshes that feed the methane-producing microbes. In addition to his work at the Louisiana-based study, Shutt secured a over $130,000 grant from the New Jersey Sea Grant Consortium in 2022. To better understand what will happen with methane production in Garden State salt marshes as sea levels rise. I'm Dante DiValerio. This has been your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. This is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your professional sports news. First things first, let's start with the NFL checking in on DeMar Hamlin's medical status. In case you haven't heard, Buffalo Bills second-year safety DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field in Cincinnati after tackling Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins on what seemed to be a routine play. Following Hamlin's collapse, medical officials performed CPR for nine minutes to Hamlin on the field. Hamlin was then rushed via ambulance to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, where he remained in critical condition for 72 hours before opening his eyes and gaining mobility in his hands and feet Thursday morning. Following Hamlin's life-threatening injury, the NFL temporarily suspended the Bills vs. Bengals Monday night football matchup, planning to resume the game at a later date. However, after further review and consideration... The league announced on Thursday that the game will not be resumed, canceling it officially heading into the final week of the season. 
Our thoughts and prayers here at Rowan Radio go out to Hamlin, his family, and to everyone affected emotionally or physically in this tragic accident Monday night. However, in remarkable news, fans, players, and organizations from around the NFL have banded together to donate more than $5 million and counting to Hamlin's toy drive for kids on GoFundMe. This GoFundMe page was started in 2020 and set at a target goal of $2,500. Following Hamlin's injury, the donations began to flood in, easily surpassing the target goal established in 2020. In other NFL news, rumors around the league are suggesting that broadcast partners are yet again eyeing Sean McVay as a potential studio or game analyst for next season. McVeigh had a variety of offers following the Rams' Super Bowl victory in 2022, but turned them down in favor of returning to Los Angeles. No surprise there. Switching from the NFL to the NBA, history continues to be made in the National Basketball Association. Just last week, Mavericks guard Luka Doncic made history, becoming the first player in league history to tally 60 points and 20 or more rebounds in a triple-double effort. Doncic finished with a stat line of 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists in 47 minutes played. Less than one week later, Cavaliers guard Donovan Mitchell made some history of his own this past Monday night, tallying 71 points, 11 assists, and 8 rebounds, becoming the first player in NBA history to score 70 or more points while also tallying 10 or more assists in the process. Mitchell also became just the seventh player all-time to score 70 or more points in a game, joining the likes of Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, Devin Booker, Elgin Baylor, David Robinson, and David Thompson. With plenty of games remaining in the 2022-23 season, it's only a matter of time before we see yet another historical performance by one of the league's top stars. With that being said, this has been Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your professional sports news right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. The opening bell rang Wednesday morning after Wall Street's first day of the year ended on a lower note. Stocks gave up early gains in volatile trading as recession fears pressured markets. A sell-off in Apple shares and a drop in Tesla also weighed on the broader market. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 11 points to 33 to 136. The S&P 500 fell 15 points to 38 to 24, and the Nasdaq dropped 79 points to 10 to 387. Southwest Airlines is facing a class action lawsuit filed on behalf of two San Diego County residents. Marty Golingen reports. The lawsuit was filed on December 30th, 2022. Carla Hill claims Southwest took the money she spent to fly her son to and from Columbus, Ohio, even though the airline knew it would never happen. And Cameron Youssef blames Southwest for him and his spouse getting stuck in Tennessee. The suit, which seeks class action status, asks for money for people who had problems with their flights. It also wants Southwest to publicly admit it knew it was inevitable its operations would collapse. I'm Marty Golingen. A federal task force is being launched to recover assets of victims of FTX. The Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office announced the creation of FTX Task Force the same day the bankrupt crypto exchange's former CEO pleaded not guilty to federal fraud charges. In a statement, the Manhattan U.S. Attorney described the task force as an all-hand-on-deck moment. The Securities and Exchange Commission estimates FTX customers lost over $8 billion. Twitter will soon ease its ban on political ads. 
The social media company announced Tuesday that it will expand the political advertising it permits in the coming weeks. The move is a reversal of Twitter's 2019 decision to ban political ads after it faced scrutiny for allowing misinformation to spread. The company said its advertising policy will now align with TV and other media outlets. The company could earn more revenue with the decision after facing an exodus of corporate advertisers in the months after Elon Musk's takeover. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Cologne. Earth, Wind, and Fire drummer Fred White is dead. White joined his siblings in the van in 1974 and contributed to the breakout hits like Shining Star and Saturday Night. He left Earth, Wind, and Fire in the early 1980s, but returned for their induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2000. He also continued to sing with other artists and most recently appeared on Diana Ross's 2021 comeback album. No cause of death was given. White was 67 years old. Phoebe Bridgers is announcing the death of her father. She took to Instagram Tuesday to share a throwback photo of the two with the caption, Rest in Peace, Dad. There was no additional information about his cause of death. In a 2019 interview with GQ, the 28-year-old alluded to his issues with drug abuse. More information is being released following a snowplow incident that left actor Jeremy Renner in the hospital Sunday morning. County Sheriff Darren Balaam says Runner was helping clear his neighbor's roads and retrieve a stuck car when he got out of his snowplow to talk to a family member. The snowplow began to roll forward and Runner tried to get back into the driver's seat to stop the vehicle but was run over. The Oscar-nominated actor was flown to a Nevada hospital where he's being treated for blunt chest trauma and severe orthopedic injuries. Runner is best known for playing Hawkeye in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Romanian authorities have seized 11 luxury cars from social media star Andrew Tate. Tate and his brother were arrested in Romania last week on sex trafficking charges. On Wednesday, a Romanian spokesperson said 11 of Tate's vehicles were impounded following his arrest to pay for his investigation and to fund payment awards to his alleged victims. Adele is opening up about a really bad health condition that's affecting her ability to walk. During a recent show of her Las Vegas residency, the Easy On Me singer revealed that she suffers from sciatica. She explained that the nerve condition causes her to waddle. In an interview with Cosmo, she said she gets flare-ups of pain due to stress. A sex abuse suit against Marilyn Manson is being dismissed after the accuser failed to get a new lawyer. Ashley Morgan Smithline took the singer to court in California over allegations of rape and abuse. Her previous lawyer withdrew from the case and Smithline didn't get a new representative by the Tuesday deadline. An attorney for Manson, real name Ryan Warner, thanks Smithline for the dismissal. Bad Bunny is responding to a recent video circulating online showing him grabbing and throwing a fan's phone. The incident occurred in the Dominican Republic where the Titi Mi Pregunto singer spent the holidays. He took to Twitter Tuesday to defend himself, saying that fans who come up to him will always receive his attention and respect, but anyone who shoves a phone in his face is being disrespectful. Sam Smith is announcing a North American tour. The Unholy singer will hit 27 cities in support of his forthcoming album Gloria, which is due out January 27th. I'm Karina Cologne, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. 
You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.